This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Health IQ, the life insurance company that advocates for the vegan and health conscious lifestyles. That's right, Health IQ rewards us for our lifestyle choices. Head over to healthiq.com slash no meat to learn more about all sorts of ways you can save money on life insurance. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. So, Dad, when we were camping this weekend, what was better, the Whole Foods brand vegan hot dog or the Field Roast vegan hot dog? Am I answering in my current head or about a year ago? (laughs) (laughs) Give us both answers. About a year ago, I wouldn't have touched either one of them, only because I loved meat so much, and still do, actually. But given those two choices, the first one had zero taste, just literally zero taste. And before, I probably couldn't have eaten that. But it was fine, especially with your pickled red onion recipe on top of it. The, the next day, what was that? A field roast? Field roast. They, yep. were, they were almost amazing in my new head. They almost were, amazing. They were really, really good. Maybe it's because I was so hungry from not eating <laughs> from too many night. of the other ones the day before. <laughs> no, they were really good, actually. I was uh, surprised. And then I, um, I, think I steamed them in the microwave for a few seconds to get that whole wheat bun mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, Softer, it was good, really was good. good. And our and our vegan marshmallows were good as well. We had, we had a good weekend had by all. So you were camping? I guess you. I don't think you said that. But. Well, I said while we were camping. Oh, okay. We all were right. not camping. We were glamping. It was definitely glamping. glamping. When you're in yeah. a motorhome, you're not really camping. <laughs> okay. All right. So what we're doing today, as you may have already guessed from the title of this episode, uh, is interviewing my dad, who uh, his name is Tim Fraser. He he is what sixty three three years old, and this year, really, started eating a plant-based diet, 100% plant-based, uh, not calling it vegan, which we can get into why that is. I mean, you said you, you still love me, so that's, that's a clue, I guess. Um, but we were we, this has kind of been a long time coming. We've wanted to do it for a while. I kept delaying it because I kind of already knew the story and I knew the answers. So any sort of question I was going to ask you would kind of feel like it was just fake and I don't think any real good conversation would develop from it. But then uh, Doug, our, our illustrious co-host, had the idea of him being the interviewer, of himself being the interviewer, and I'll just kind of chime in as as color commentary. So that's what we're doing. I know our voices sound similar. I get I hear that often. So we'll try to make that as clear as possible, and hopefully it will be. Um, maybe Doug can come up with some kind of sound effect or something. Yeah, like a little <laughs> chime. That every time Matt speaks, a little chime goes off, and every time Tim speaks, it's like a horn. You know? <laughs> Uh, so before we jump in, I do want to mention we're going to talk about Remedy Food Toronto, which is was one of the big, uh, I don't know, po- turning points, I guess, in this journey when my dad and I went there back in June of this year, 2016. Uh, Atlanta, though, the Remedy Food Atlanta is coming up November 11th through 13th, 2016. I will be speaking at it along with lots of other really good speakers, many of whom you'll hear us mention today. Uh, so if you want to find out more about that, it's at remedyfood.org. And right there, you'll see the you'll see the information for the Atlanta event. And if you type in "no meat athlete" for your code, all one word, when you sign up for that event, uh, you can save something like twenty percent off a weekend pass. So, without further ado, Doug, take it away. All right. So, Tim, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time I met you was at a vegan restaurant outside of Baltimore, Maryland. I have no idea what the name of it is, although I bet Matt does. That was probably Great Sage. Great Sage. Yeah. Um, and I think it was maybe one of the first stops of your book tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I do remember. Yeah, and and so you know, you and the family had come out to um, 
support Matt on on the book tour stop. Um, and and if I remember correctly, you were poking fun pretty hard at the food. I want to say it was brunch food. That uh, was I asking for meatballs? Maybe yeah, chance? Yeah, probably asking for <laughs> meatballs. Everything or bacon goes better or with meatballs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 now you know now we're hosting you on the Main Athlete Radio. So it's kind of been a big transition, I guess, since uh, Matt released that book. Um, what what's your what's your backstory with worrying about nutrition or thinking about nutrition um, and paying attention to what you're eating? That goes back. Probably to the 80s, actually. So I had the advantage of always really wanting to eat a more healthful diet because I had um, high cholesterol, pretty very high cholesterol. And Matt and Christine were, were young kids. You probably remember Mrs. Dash, right? The salt substitute. Mrs. Dash, don't eat your heart out book yeah, around all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I read a bunch of that stuff and um, we had I ate egg, egg, egg beaters, the egg whites, right? Yep. Uh-huh. Terrible. In a little carton, like a milk carton. <laughs> So none of those things really ever lasted that long, and I didn't see any big difference anyway because I probably wasn't eating, eating enough other. I didn't have enough other, other good habits anyway. I didn't see any difference. So they put me on statins and lip, you know all the Lipitor's and all the stuff, and um, that made me feel bad most of the time. But I, I continued that for a few years, and I did see some reduction in total cholesterol. But I got off of those too. I just I've always been prescription adverse, you know. Sure. Although I've been on many here and there, but now I'm on none, which is a good thing. Awesome. So that was always in the background. And um, then I started, um, I guess in the past two years, I, I retired last January. I started writing down because there were so many things going wrong with me. I always felt like I was relatively athletic and active. I thought I ate a pretty healthy diet. I even had a stint with paleo. We might get into that a little bit. And... Um, I just started having so many things that I wrote them down just to kind of get a handle on them. I felt like, God, I'm going to the doctors a lot. So I came up, I had about 10 or 12 things on my list. And that really kind of made me focus on a bigger picture. It was easier to see that this is a lot of stuff and a lot of it in a short period of time. Yeah. So that kind of got me looking around. And then I had all the influences of the no meat athlete, you know, being <laughs> my son and his wife and my daughter and my wife, my, my wife, who we've been married now almost 11 years. And she came to me eating only white meat chicken and fish from Alaska because it's not that polluted, not that polluted. And, uh, and you know, eating lots of salads all the time. And so there was always, cooking was always different around our house because mm-hmm. I ate, I ate meat. Right. right. And and I thought when the, through, through the paleo years that I spent doing that, um, I ate more greens than I ever did before, but nothing like I eat now. So I really still wasn't supporting the amount of meat I was eating with enough other you know, nutrient-dense kind of right. plant foods. So a couple of years ago, you, you really started writing it down, paying attention, and uh, and you went paleo first, right? No, I didn't write it down at that point. I wrote it down only about, you know, less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. I, I went paleo just because of my general desire to eat healthier food. Okay. So I bought hook, line, sinker, the whole paleo idea, thinking about a thousand years since the agriculture revolution, but I think I was ignoring about five million years of human existence <laughs> prior to that. Yeah, but what was it about paleo that that caught your attention? Well, <laughs> The same meat. thing that just caught, caught the attention of the whole culture? I mean, right? it's, meat, it's been so successful. Fats, um, and I rationalized it with having, um, you know, good meats, meats that were pastured and grass-fed and not, and not fed um, prophylactic, doses of hormones and antibiotics and eggs too and chickens yeah and uh, but then so were you cutting out processed foods and things like that um 
maybe a little bit. So no. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I, so I think that's a good, we, we badmouth paleo a lot or we try not to, but the vegan community does. And I, I still think people who eat paleo, or if you're on the paleo side and, and you think about people who eat plant-based, at least they're thinking about their food. And I think that's a, yeah. such a major difference from 95% of, of the Western world who's just, you know, putting whatever they can in their body and not even thinking about it. So I think it's a first step, whichever direction it's ultimately leading in. And either of these diets can be the first step in, you know, and a greater it, it could have been a better step had I adhered to eating far less processed foods, far less sugar. Um, um, but I increased my dairy, actually. I increased the amount of eggs I ate during that time and all that sort of stuff, too. Is Dairy's not part of the paleo. I think the strict paleos would say, no, you can't eat dairy, which is the problem. Right? People, people hear that paleo means you can eat hot dogs at the store because it's fatty meats and whatever and then and then they just you know they they eat what they want yeah all right so so you're a self-proclaimed meat lover you dabbled with paleo although it wasn't a total paleo switch to non-processed foods what you know what sparked the interest in in the in eating plant-based i mean you've been around matt for a number of years while he's been vegetarian for for many years and then vegan for the past what four uh, five, I think. Five, now, five yeah. years. Um, you know, and, and it wasn't until this year that you even seemed to have any interest in it at all. So so what, what kind of sparked that for you? Well, I did I did always enjoy non-meat dishes, even when, as an avid meat lover. Mm-hmm. Um, I never had the motivation to prepare many of my own, aside from maybe some beans and rice dishes. But um, always enjoyed the food when Matt would visit or yep. when we lived closer, uh, would make food. And I always enjoyed that. And I always thought, you know, I, I could eat. Less meat, a lot less meat. I figured, but I never did. Yeah. So so, but but what what made you decide to to give that a try? Probably all these things that were going wrong with me, and from age probably sixty on, um, and making that list and seeing the list as a whole, thinking, okay, I'm I'm dying already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going down the road where okay, maybe I'll live into my eighties. But I'll probably be in a nursing home. My parents, my father went that way. I saw that was pretty ugly. So all that's in the back of my mind at the same time that I need to look a little bit more at food mm-hmm. and what I'm eating and start treating food like medicine. And I probably didn't think about treating food like medicine then, but I sure think about it like that now. Yeah. And because, I mean, you are you had really good health, aside from like some indicators that would say otherwise, like high cholesterol, you didn't you didn't see outwardly signs of sickness right and then it just suddenly all no began. no and that was the shock because right. you know the list all of a sudden you know materialized and it's like yeah i do have a lot of things going wrong you know um let me let me look at that list real quick i had stuff like um bph prostate issues um high psa from that high cholesterol that was longer than two years i was pre-diabetic i got kidney stones this is all a lot of this is just in two years except for the first couple Wow. Complex migraine syndrome put me in the hospital thinking it was a mini stroke. All of a sudden, I got arthritis, especially in my thumbs. Three skin cancers, cataracts, double vision. <laughs> I mean, see, see, yeah, see what I'm talking about. And then, um, then the thing that really the nail in the coffin sort of was getting diagnosed last. Um, I guess I was coming back from Bike Week in Daytona. Stopped by Matt's house. And I got a call while I was here from my cardiologist. Said I have AFib. That was really, that was it. That was it for me where I had to start thinking harder about 
not taking medicines as they wanted me to do, not having the procedures that he wanted me to do, which, I mean, I always lined up to go to University of Pennsylvania to have a um, catheter ablation for this AFib. And then so you end up on um, anticoagulants, and that's really a kiss of death. I right. mean, you fall, you break your hip, you know, all kinds of things happen when you're anticoagulants. You know, so I didn't want any of that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, I started, I started changing, still kind of slowly. Mm-hmm. So that was that was back in what you said. That March, was March. March. So right. And then I think I, you were at my house. I was flying out. You were still here. I flew out the next morning. Ironically enough, down to speak at a conference called Plants Over Pills down in Florida, where you had just been, uh, that my friends put on. And I guess when I was down there, I, I heard the news. Maybe you got more test results or something. That and Aaron, my wife, uh, called me and said that you were really not doing well mentally. That you really seemed that this one seemed to really hit you. And you, you know, I guess it's it seemed to me that you were kind of in a place now where you were actually worried about your health. Well, yeah. Once I started reading AFib and its potential and how potentially serious it is. Yeah, I thought, okay, this is yeah. this is really this is like this is the big one. Let's start doing something proactively. And what's funny is I I never had to actually do this, but when that call came from Aaron that you were really upset, I just started to think about, wow, what if you know what if he were to have a heart attack or something? And I don't know that AFib is necessarily uh, predictive of heart attacks. Maybe maybe you do, uh, but I said, wow, what if? Because I've always been pretty lax with this message and not wanting to push it too hard. Uh, but in my head, I said, "What if he were to have a heart attack and just die?" And I never even never got the chance to like really say, "Here's what here's what I think you should do," because I just didn't ever want to turn people off of the diet by being too pushy about it. Uh, so I said, "I'm going to find a way now to start talking to him about this," which I never actually had to do. It, it sort of naturally naturally went that direction. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people, the pills are the easy way out, right? A lifestyle change, especially in diet. Uh, and especially if you if you love meat, um, is is pretty hard. And so it must have taken something, or it, it's obviously take it was a it hit you pretty hard. And and well, just taking the pill I got for the beta block, which was a beta blocker, made me so tired, terribly mm. tired. I mean, and that was I'd be taking that for the rest of my life, in addition to other things down the road. So that almost was a showstopper for me. I didn't. I stopped taking the pill. Yeah. So was it here right after that trip? That you started. Let's see. That was that was in March, and then I was back here in in May near Matt's May. daughter's birthday, my yep. granddaughter, and we were taking a ride, look at some real estate about an hour away, and strategically, I'm finding out now <laughs> they played a Dr. Furman talk. I guess he was, he was he was being interviewed by John Robbins. It was part of that Food Revolution yeah. Summit, yeah. and I totally thought I was just kind of overhearing. <laughs> You know, stuff that they were interested in because something was going on that weekend. It was some event. Matt was involved in it in some way. And I, I just thought I was overhearing it. But I heard Dr. Furman talk about a bunch of things like what he ate for breakfast. I still remember steel cut um, oatmeal with uh, pomegranate and blueberries and a few things. And I started getting some ideas. And then I, it was weeks before I found out they actually intentionally played that played that <laughs> Aaron did I didn't I had nothing to do with it Aaron, Aaron did it Aaron did it I think I wouldn't have I would I would have said no I'm not gonna okay so to I'm just that. finding that out <laughs> yeah but I, it did pique my interest there's there's no doubt about it enough that when I went home I looked up um well Matt Matt, Matt had the books right here he had uh, the super immunity mm-hmm. and his uh his latest one as well but so I took that book with me but then I found an easier way to do it I found a podcast, oh no, um, an audiobook, a free audiobook from the library. So that was really easy. And then at that point, I made some big changes in my life. 
Two big ones. I started eating mushrooms and onions every day because <laughs> that's what he said to do. G-bombs, right? That's right. Yeah. But I, I started eating a lot of things that he said to eat, mm-hmm. um, including meat. You know, he allowed like 10% of your total calories a day to go towards animal products, animal fats. This proteins. is Joe Furman we're talking about, by the way, just yeah. from Super Immunity, yeah. the book. So I found that to be a nice compromise, you know, because I always thought I could eat less meat than I was eating. Mm-hmm. So I started eating that way then and i went right pretty i went pretty hardcore i saw my my food now as medicine for the first time and 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 to substitute for medicine i had been taken previously and i wasn't getting great results at first but um i kept on going i wasn't worried about recipes i wasn't making it taste in great presentations i was just eating all kinds of stuff i mean i have a pretty big garden i'm doing that that got bigger and bigger the past four years so i was eating my greens and when we when we left well, that's I'm getting ahead of myself at this uh, the the uh, remedy, right? Toronto. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and talk about that because because somewhere around here you went to remedy Toronto. Yeah. with Matt. Yeah, right. I'd already been eating. I always already felt like at least a vegetarian, right? But you didn't feel better, right? You said, or you weren't quite feeling better yet. No, I wasn't. I was. I think I was going through withdrawal with all the things I was addicted to. Number one, and I pretty much changed my diet completely. So I felt I kept calling it compromised. I was taking notes into my phone as well about how I was feeling every day because I was providing this information to my uh, cardiologist and the more he heard the more he was trying to get me to go to the University of Pennsylvania to do this cardiac ablation so um I went to I went to a, the Toronto Remedy event is that what it's called Remedy, Remedy Live. Food Live yeah 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 and Matt asked me to go I took a mega bus up there <laughs> which was cool <laughs> 12 hours pretty cheap top top Double decker, double decker, nice. But I had that front window; it's like a windshield. Oh, cool! But it rained the whole way up, and there are no windshield wipers up there because (laughs) there's no driver up there. So, um, I listened to more Super Immunity. I listened to that more than one time, by the way, as an audio book. And I got there, and it's very fascinating. You know, I I have a science sort of background, and I found it really, very, very interesting. it was my first exposure to real evidence-based nutrition. And I, that's the kind of stuff I like. I mean, I like seeing the pictures of an aorta or whatever other artery or vein involved in heart. Um, six months later or 12 months later after going to a plant-based diet. And it was remarkable. And what, I, what really piqued my interest there and changed my mind about things, because I was still eating meat, was um, the fact that you could reverse a lot of this stuff. Mm. that's what I don't think I ever I don't think I heard anyone really say that before and I'm not sure how I would have reacted if Matt had said that part too right because if I if I'd have found out about reversal maybe I'd have thought well I'll just put it off and reverse it later (laughs) you know keep keep enjoying the meat yeah so maybe it's good I didn't hear it yet well but so that's interesting because you can find you can find evidence or you can find studies that will basically tell you whatever you want to hear, right? You know, and paleo is, is rooted in some science and, you know, every diet is rooted in some sort of science. What was it about the plant-based diet that really caught your attention? Or made it different, I guess. It was that I hadn't heard too much science from the way out eating before. I mean, the paleo thing, like the 100,000 years since the agriculture revolution, I, I really didn't really get into that much more. Okay. It was just this, this I really focused on. Uh-huh. And I saw results eventually. I saw great results. AFib was the one thing out of all of these problems that I described earlier 
that I found the very least amount of research supporting that it could reverse it or help it. I found for regular arrhythmias that it was uh, the plant-based diet was certainly good. And AFib really is a type of arrhythmia, but it's more it's a more severe type. Um, and yet it's gone. It's totally gone. I don't have any arrhythmias at all. And I was documenting these. I got notes and notes and notes to the cardiologist. How many times a day I went on a week-long or two-week-long cardiac study, cardiac monitoring study. Matt even took it. He's got a friend that I met up in... Um, in Toronto. In Toronto. Dr. Robert Osfeld, who people will know probably. Yeah. Matt gave him some of my information, showed him some of my um, cardiographs, and um, got back to me. So... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so that that science just kind of struck you in, in the reversal of science. Um, yeah, I thought I had a chance. It that really made me think. I'm not. I'm not that old. <laughs> Maybe I live into my 80s or into my 90s and not be in a nursing home. And that really appealed to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean that. I think the what what did it about that event? I mean, for me, was that you were kind of immersed in this for a while. Aside from it being good science, it was Dr. Gregor, Dr. Esselstyn. Dr. Campbell, uh, Garth Davis, Brenda Davis, me, of course, right? That, that was the real, the real one that made the <laughs> totally. totally change. I got y'all motivated. Um, I, I mean, Chef AJ, there's just many, many more speakers that were there. And then I flew off from there to the Stanford Inn in California. You took your mega bus home. And that was where you said, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm done eating meat finally. Like, that one got you to finally yep. stop it. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. That's what made me stop eating meat. The, and I had lowered my meat in accordance with uh, Dr. Furman's guidance. I probably was more than 10% of my calories with, um, with trying to go this nutritarian approach. But then I went cold turkey, no more meat at that point. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't eat any meat while we were there because it was all vegan yeah, food. Yeah, it, it turned out it was pretty good yeah. too. Yep. So you, you hadn't really been seeing results up until then. How long did it take you to really notice well, after about three or four weeks of feeling this uh, compromised, I started and I, also getting off the drugs. Um, I started having like, first thing I noticed was a lot more energy, mm. like, like a lot more. I wasn't taking, I needed naps like, shoot, every two or three hours. I, I need, I was tired, all the time tired. And mm. I'm like, I'm, like I said, I'm a pretty active person. That, we had noticed that in Toronto and we walked all around the city and I noticed that had we been doing that a few months prior, you would have just not been able to do it. And we, yeah, I, rec- you know, I we recall you saying six that. hour days of walking. We in. did a lot of walking. Yeah. So that was even before you had completely given up meat. Yeah, I hadn't given up meat yet. Yeah. But I had already been immersed since uh, sometime in May. And this was June when we went to mm-hmm. the Remedy event. Mm-hmm. So, so two months of doing Dr. Furman's protocol yeah, thing, where, where yeah. you were still getting five to 10%, maybe you said maybe more of your calories from meat, maybe a little bit of dairy, but not, you know, not like you had been before. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple months of a, of a transition before I stopped eating meat. Uh huh. And so, so you you got energy levels back. Um, you know, were there other things that you were noticing? I went to my urology, my urologist, because of all this uh, prostate and PSA issues, mm-hmm. and I'd been seeing him for something like twelve or thirteen years. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And he <laughs> said, "Your PSA went down." Uh. I said, really? I said, I've been saving it to tell you that I've changed my diet. <laughs> and my cardiologist, when um, I told him about all the great things, he was like, all right, let's, let's forget about um, University of Pennsylvania. Let's figure out, you got to do what you're, keep, keep doing it. And if all my patients were doing what you're doing, he said, I'd be out of business. Keep on doing it. Keep in touch. And he said, go ahead and wait for about six months before you check, do a lipid profile again. 
I really thought if I had taken a lipid profile right then, I, he would have seen results. But I still haven't had one. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I had taken that before this interview. Yeah, but. right. <laughs> so did what? I mean, so he, he was on board. Does he surprised that that you were seeing this kind of? He doesn't. He didn't act surprised. No. No. But he, had he ever mentioned diet before? Well, probably in ways. Um, he's been my cardiologist even since the '80s, and I guess I really had a cardiologist because. There's a lot of heart disease in my family, so I started seeing a cardiologist, plus mm-hmm. with the, the high cholesterol stuff. And yeah, back then, you know, you lower your salt intake, you know, lower your meats and fats and all the kinds of things that was kind of in vogue and probably good advice that I could never really stay with very long. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you go to Toronto, you cut out meat, you're seeing some results, and you, it seems like you're feeling pretty excited about it. Yeah. And doing... doing- really proactively doing things like way more even than i was doing you kind of inspired me to start taking some of my stuff more seriously but you would you would put together this breakfast every morning that would take an hour to get together yeah. and but you were really just trying to hammer in the micronutrients and do a great job yeah at it. So because really, really focused i on felt it. a very big sense of urgency to start eating like we heard when we left the conference was um dr esselson said to take to do five servings of green yeah like five fist size Steamed so, spinach so I did per day. <laughs> okay. And I'm I'm still almost still doing that. So yeah. All In right, addition so. to the cruciferous stuff that I'm taking, the broccoli, the cabbage, and the cauliflower that I'm eating every day. <laughs> and mostly taking, raw. It's not I mean it's eating, right? It's, it's, he's not <laughs> yeah. just to clarify. <laughs> See? That's how you think of it. But it's it is. but it was food. It it is it's not pills. I'm right. taking my medication. But I actually really like most of the things I eat. Yeah, what are, what so what are the other micronutrients you're you're focused on and, and how are you getting them? Well beans. Uh-huh. You know, beans are great for your stomach biome, and I eat beans every single day. Dr. Furman says you should be eating a couple servings of beans a day, and I do. I make big pots of lentils or big pots of black beans. I mix my beans. I make hummus every day. I made a Matt's recipe for white bean dip that I recently saw, which I found refreshing and good. So I eat that stuff. You ask Matt. He, he doesn't like how many things I put on one piece of <laughs> usually sprouted grain bread. I mean, what goes, so what goes in your smoothies? What's a typical smoothie? It has, oh, has so many things in it. Okay, I still do this every day. This started out, though, as steel-cut oatmeal, a la Dr. Furman and what I heard him say. So gradually I kept adding more and more and more, like all kinds of fruits, a couple handfuls of blueberries, pomegranate, um, a, an apple, Part of an avocado. Uh, wait a minute. There's so many more. Flaxseed, chia seed. The greens, kale, oh, or whatever. Big, a big handful of kale and Swiss chard every day. Like, if it was fresh, <laughs> it would fill up the whole pitcher to start with, right? Yeah. And two cups of either either an almond milk or a, well, even water is fine, or lemon water, whatever I had handy. Um, gosh, there's way more than that. <laughs> just, I'm yeah. telling you, there's way more so than that. It start, that. So now that it started out as oatmeal, and now you've kind of... Yeah, and oh, yeah, I, oh, I kept putting the oatmeal in it. I put the oh, dry put the quarter cup of oatmeal smoothie. in it too. So, okay. So because it had so many ingredients, I had to start putting more and more liquid or it was too thick, right? Yeah. So I'd end up, I bought myself a 42-ounce double-walled stainless steel mug. <laughs> so it fills that up and it could probably fill it up half again. Uh-huh. And I need to share that with my wife or Matt gets my leftovers now. Or I'd have it again in the evening or for lunch, especially if I didn't eat too much like solid food. I'd eat the rest of my morning smoothie. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of good stuff. And I threw amla powder, which is an Indian gooseberry powder, which is very... Dr. Gregor got me onto this. Dr. Gregor gets me onto a lot of things, too. Uh-huh. Watching his, his videos and his articles are very helpful. His research is amazing and how easy it is to access 
the research he does. He lets you read the studies yourself or right. or take his uh, interpretation. I think this is also a good time to mention that there are a lot of issues surrounding even the things we've just mentioned that are, you know, in within our little plant-based world, controversial. Like, is it actually good to put all your stuff into smoothie form uh, when maybe it, it might be more natural to eat it in whole food form? Uh, what you're doing is a way of letting yourself get more of it and get more of these, you know, uh, nourishing calories, really. Uh, when there's also argument about maybe we should be eating less and caloric restriction and intermittent fasting and all that. So this is all stuff that you have thought about and sent me articles about. I mean, this is something you think about all the time, this stuff. Uh, so I do want to make that point to people that like, it's, you know, I, I can see someone saying, well, wait a minute, smoothies aren't so good. Who, who really needs 600, 700 calories to start every day? Uh, but you know, it, it's the beginning of a process. And I think that's, I think part of the value of something like a smoothie is it, is it does let you really get started. And it's the alternative for you breakfast before wasn't something healthy. It was a soda and whatever else you were doing. So I love the morning Coke. Wow, did I love a morning Coke. <laughs> Nectar of the gods. <laughs> and then peanut butter and crackers too. Yeah. Some of that was some of that was okay. Well and and I mean, if you're seeing immediate results, both feeling them and then also, you know, at the doctor's office, you know, when you're getting tests run, like that's pretty powerful stuff. And most of us don't have that experience. Um, you know, when we start going vegetarian or start going going plant-based yeah yeah i still have to tone myself down being a um a disciple for this because some of my friends are just you know they're my age and they don't want to even think about eating differently especially regarding meat yeah not even close so you know i I still sneak in some things to tell them how you could get off of high blood blood pressure medication eat a bunch of beets i mean i give them a lot more information uh, even more than they need, even probably more than is true. But <laughs> so far, I haven't had a lot of a lot of luck. Well, yeah. So how have they reacted? Well, then? first, let me go back to smoothie. Okay, I forgot sure. the walnuts and I forgot the cashews. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so nuts. Small handful of cashews, pretty big handful of walnuts. Okay, yeah. That Which, is that is quite the smoothie. And more controversy there, right? Because Esselstyn, who who you've learned some stuff from, you said would yeah. say, "Don't eat nuts if you're a heart patient." So there are all kinds of little conflicts within even this school of thought. And, and oil being a conflict too for me. So I eat as little oil as I can, but I still eat oil. Like those mushrooms, I like them sauteed and they do well being cooked. So I I just basically put oil, one drop, I mean like a small dime size of oil and I spread it around the pan with a paper towel or something. That's the amount of oil I use for, for different kinds of meals, right? If I saute onions, a little tiny bit of oil, but mostly I let them saute by themselves in the pan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to your question so before I, I interrupted. Yeah, I, I mean, and I was going to go back to, I think he was going to ask you about Italy, which was another little wrinkle in the whole story. Yeah, when yeah. I, when I talked about how, how, how you know, in-depth you were doing all this stuff, and then the Italy trip. Yeah, came. It, was, it was a real confirming experience. Well, so hold on. When did you, how long ago was it that you went to Italy? Italy was, um, what, just about September 15th for like 12 days. And you, and that's what, uh, six months after you had... Or less than I mean, only three after three after the remedy when you really started doing it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you go to yeah. Italy. So I get Italy with a friend. Is not super oil free. <laughs> with or a friend and with and with friendly. boxes of uh, bars and powders and things, right? That, yeah. That I, I asked Matt for some some help with supplementing, which I knew would be somewhat of a compromised diet there. Of course, Sardinia is there, right? Yeah, but one of the blue zones, the, right the off the coast. coast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they've got beans in Italy and good wine. Let me tell you. <laughs> so so I took a few things. I took um, some powder that Matt recommended. 
And amazing grass, probably. Yep, amazing grass. That. And the bars are amazing grass, too. And I did have my amazing grass concoction every morning, even down where we ate with the group every day. They'd see me mix up this green goop, right? <laughs> yeah. And it really wasn't very bad tasting. I mean, it was kind of inert in a way, but um, I would put maybe a little bit of fruit juice, something I really don't drink much of. I'd put a little fruit juice in it and rest water to make it. And obviously Italy has greens, but it was it was like you had been on this almost religious diet, right? Sticking with this just every meal. And then we thought, well, this tour is going to provide you with a lot of meals that certainly aren't going to be what the way yeah. you eat. So we figured white flour is going to be unavoidable and, and part of the, the fun of a trip to Italy, right? You, yeah. you get to eat more olive oil and white flour. Yeah, I would eat some good. white flour even if I had all my other foods available. I was in Italy. I always wanted to go to Italy for the food. Yeah. yeah. So we said, like, what, what can we do to kind of keep you on track at least it's not even so much to protect you while you're there but just to kind of make sure when you come back it was pretty easy to jump back into the way you had been doing and things. i did you did. Way, i went did. right yeah. back yeah were you able to avoid all animal products yes i was i'd never ate any meat and uh, one time i got cheese served to me by accident and i scraped it off there was some mm-hmm. remnants there but sure. yeah Cheese was really hard to avoid in Italy. Yeah. Really, really hard. Mm, I wanted some of that. And I, mean, I, bet, I bet eggs, I mean, eggs were likely in some of the pastas you ate, I would imagine. Yeah. But, and this is another question. Like, you didn't get into this to be an ethical vegan. You got into this for, for plant-based diet for the health benefits of that. And, and that's, you know, I think you still want you know, to do as that. As much as I love my dogs and cat, I, I probably could make an ethical case. <laughs> yeah. That's but I just haven't had to. Right. I really haven't had to. I can do it all with my own health. Yeah. Okay, so Italy, though. I mean, I think Doug is probably going here, but but why was it so... Let's talk about why it was so easy for you to get back to your old way of eating when, when you experienced what you did in Italy. Because Italy was like a fantasy tour, you know, because <laughs> I knew it wasn't real. It was two, It was less than two weeks, and um, I was going to enjoy my pizza, but I ended up enjoying pizza or pasta or both every single day. There's just no doubt about it. I did avoid meats. I did avoid cheeses. I didn't avoid the um, the ice cream. Yeah. The uh, gelatos. Gelato, okay. There's literally a pizza shop and a gelato shop every, every 100 feet, <laughs> yeah. wherever you go. Venice, uh-huh. Florence, Rome, they're everywhere. And, you know, I'm with a group of people and, and a good friend, and, you know, he's eating gelato every day. So I probably had gelato five or six times, and I thought that was really a lot. And, oh, my God, was it good. All right, cool. So you, you're eating a lot of gelato. And how did that make you feel? How did it make you feel to go from this very strict diet to then having lots of oil and, and you know, some lots of sugar, lots of things you probably had cut out before? Well, it should have made me feel guilty, but I controlled my guilt as much as I could because I knew it was temporary and I knew I would go back. There's just no doubt about it. I was on a mission. But I was also on a mission to, without meat and cheese, to enjoy Italy as much as I could. So somewhere, though, two-thirds of the way through the trip, a couple of my symptoms of other maladies came back. I had my, I started getting migraine headaches. That's one of the things I didn't huh. mention, that they went away. I mean, I had this complex migraine syndrome diagnosis. I'd get migraines and headaches all the time. That went completely away prior to Italy, and well prior, a couple months. And then all of a sudden, Mike's saying, let's go. I'm like, wow, I have a really bad headache, right? So, And I'm attributing that to white pastas, flowers, sugar, it could be right. I could be some of the things I was missing too, mm-hmm. right? Who, who knows? But it was enough to say, wow. So also these urinary issues, especially frequent urination, the nighttime stuff, wake up, not just my age, probably most people were getting up two times a night, not six or eight. 
So I'm back to every hour waking up doing that mm. thing again. I'm like, wow, this is this is kind of more more evidence to me. At least I chose to think of it as evidence. And then I started my thumbs. Or, or was it the wine? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did have a glass of wine or so every day, but yeah, a okay. glass, literally a glass, <laughs> right? And I don't quite drink that much wine at home. So then the arthritis came back in my thumbs, and you really know it. I mean, it's like someone puts a hot poker in the base of your thumbs. That's how bad it is. It came back. I hadn't even thought about arthritis for a couple months. Mm -hmm. So all that was well and good. Once I got home, after about a couple weeks, all those things disappeared again. So I keep getting more and more confirmation that it is my diet that is helping me in a lot of ways. Maybe not always, but it has helped me a lot. And especially with the AFib, that one really, I mean, the, the arrhythmia, that's just game changer for me. Right. So, you know, you talked a little bit about how your your friends aren't necessarily on board and maybe they're giving you um, a hard time or, or, or I don't know if they're accepting kind of your, your changes or not. Have, have there been any big struggles for you throughout this whole switch or, or has it been so such a powerful transition that you're not struggling with anything? Well, I'm not struggling with almost anything except... You know, eating is such a social thing that it probably shouldn't be because it reinforces a lot of bad habits. Um, I'm not going out with my friends to eat as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling them, hey, I can find something wherever you go. You know, I'm not trying to direct them to certain places, you know, Indian food. We could do that a lot where I live. But um, it's just me going out with friends is less and less and less. So are they inviting you out less and less? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not inviting myself over as much Uh well i mean i I do think that that's the thing is people people don't know where to go or what to cook you and so they end up actually inviting you less and it's not but not that they don't want to be with you but it's exactly because you're kind of the whole reason you're getting together seems to be around the food when it's really for fellowship right and you can do that without without the food or if they would just convert to eating plant, a plant-based diet, we'd solve all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I haven't been able to uh, get them to do that yet. Now, I'm not trying super hard because I get an, I could get annoying and I don't want to get annoying, right? Yeah. They see this maybe as cultish or whatever the stereotypes are. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to convince them to try to you know, substitute some of those medications you're taking for some plant-based, some foods. Yeah. Okay, guys, before we move on to the next question, let's pause for just a minute to thank our sponsor. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Health IQ, the life insurance company that advocates for the vegan and health-conscious lifestyles. Matt, with our baby on the way, Katie and I have recently been in the market for life insurance. What I found while filling out the information requested by different insurance companies is that for the most part, all they're interested in is whether or not I smoke, and our family health history. They never asked about my lifestyle, my diet, or exercise. Then I found Health IQ. They use science and data to negotiate for lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including vegans, runners, and more. Research has shown that vegans have a 15% lower risk of all-cause mortality, 22% lower risk of colorectal cancer, and 34% lower risk of female-specific cancer. Health IQ has special rates on life insurance that reward us for everything we do. Head over to healthiq.com slash no meat, one word, to learn more about all sorts of ways you can save money on life insurance. Yeah, so, you know, so your son, Matt's approach to um, to no meat athlete and to the diet and everything is, is to not be preachy. I mean, that's like kind of one of his taglines for no meat athlete is to, uh, uh, it's not a preachy space about, about the diet. 
Um, but you obviously watched him for a number of years kind of change his diet and, and saw, see results with running and, and, you know, just being healthier in general. Um, was he able to communicate in or ingrain any of that into you? And, and, and why, why do you think it took, I don't know, someone, a remedy, the remedy festival to, to kind of get you to do it? I don't know. I think it was the idea of reversal really hit home with me. So had he brought up reversal a long time ago? <laughs> what do you think? Did you ever bring that up, Matt? No, I don't think I brought that up. Uh, I was. Were you aware of it? Yeah, consciously of course, aware of, of it. I mean, book is preventing reverse heart disease. So, okay, you know, everyone knew. And, but so, so we did some subtle tactics. Like you, don't, you don't remember this because it was too subtle. But last year, when Aaron and I went to Italy, we, she had been doing oil free. We both were oil free, but she was doing a Chef AJ's thing, which you know, fairly strict weight loss program. Uh, and we left a copy of Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease at your house. And I think maybe even left it when we came back. And I don't know if you had to send it to it or something, but it was at your house for a while. And we were just kind of hoping you might pick it up. We, I think I even showed you it. Uh, but it just it just kind of went in one ear and out the other. And, you know, I didn't... I don't it, remember that book right, being left at my house. That's what I mean. I think that's the definition of in one ear and out the other. I mean, other. I think if I'd <laughs> seen it, I probably would have picked it up. Especially heart no, disease. But it, right. So... Perhaps what I should have done is is a, a more forceful approach and said, "Hey, like let's let's take an hour and look through this. Like let's just you know do that. Do me that favor." And perhaps you would have done that, and maybe it would have been a game changer. But I, I don't know. I think I think the fact that you kind of had all these positive influences it wasn't enough uh, until there was the spark of a health crisis. At least whether it was real or just kind of in your head. Um, but the thought that what I'm doing is not working and I need to find something that is. So I think then there got this urgency and the timing was good that I had the remedy event coming up. So then I invited you to come because I knew you were searching for answers then. So that all worked out. Um, but, but, the, but once I got the spark though, I think it was really valuable that I had, you know, five years of you eating like this. Yes. Aaron, my, my wife, Definitely. Margaret, Christine. Um, then I don't know. I was, I was around the right people. So you saw that it was, possible it could be done by people right a lot of people in your same situation without those positive influences might look at this as a potential solution but one that they could never make work in their lives and i don't think you had that problem you just thought right. it, maybe it was a sacrifice but it was one that you could do right do you think do you think going back a little bit to, to in one ear and out the other do you think it was <laughs> it was because matt is your son that you you weren't necessarily able to hear that you know had it been no no. no, not at all. I just think I really was wedded to my great barbecue, my roasted chickens on the, uh-huh. on the cutting boards. And we, before Matt, you know, turned to no mean athlete, turned into no mean athlete, we were having, every time they came over, they, they lived two miles away, we would have a, a roast beef or a turkey or a chicken up on the cutting board from the uh-huh. set it and forget it and or the grill. And it's just... <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, so you I know, don't, I, I, it, I think it's probably hard to know the answer to that but i think that was my first thought when we played you the dr Furman interview and that struck a chord with you my first impression was like even after you had the urgency around the health thing i was you know i was still in your life for the next two months between then and when you actually took any action so i think perhaps it was that you were now hearing it from uh an authority who wasn't a family member who you know dr Furman, who who has his research based and has all the stuff and I think I think a lot of people won't listen to their to their closest family members, maybe even their closest friends, because there's almost I don't know. It's like it's just 
you just know them too well. And and then when you true. hear it somewhere else, it's it very true. You. But I never saw you doing the wrong thing. I never thought that you were making a mistake mm-hmm. the way you were eating. Right. You know, with the, my two grandchildren, you know, all vibrant and healthy and never having had any bad juju food in their life, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, I saw every, and, and Margaret and Christine and so. Christine's my sister, by the way. You've mentioned her. Yeah. So is your is your wife, is she vegan? No. Um, she's very, she's a very ethical person. She gives halfway her salary to most animal charities. Doing mm-hmm. taxes for my wife is, drives, drives me crazy. <laughs> but um, not, not vegan. I don't even call myself vegan. Only because... I call myself whole foods plant-based. I could probably call myself a nutritarian, I guess. I don't know what to call myself. But um it's just that I think if you're if you you can be a vegan, like a strict vegan and still eat a lot of sugar, a lot sure. of white flowers and stuff like that mm-hmm. and oils and right? So I don't do any of that. So am I still vegan? Yeah, in some way. It's a form of vegan that's more orthodox, I guess. I don't know mm-hmm. what to call. I think of Margaret as pescatarian meaning eating mostly vegetables and some fish that for a while she was that i know she ate chicken as well but you know she would never eat pork or beef but but since i've made this change it's an opportunity for margaret um she i, I can't even think of when i saw margaret eat a piece of fish or meat hmm. that's, that's so nice. that's so nice. see i've had an influence on margaret too yeah and i influenced matt a little bit yeah to what overeat <laughs> no i mean to, to to focus more on the micronutrients more, a little bit more accountable yeah i mean it, it was easy to to fall in, as everyone i think does or most everyone when you get comfortable with a, a way of eating or any behavior at all it it does start to become sort of a matter of routine and, and you're not quite as vigilant about things and it was easy to have too many days where i didn't eat a salad or you know i, I got into michael gregor the taking turmeric every day and it got easy to get out of that until you kind of inspired me to get back into it by, by forwarding me a bunch of stuff and just having conversations about it. I felt like if you're doing this, then, you know, at the very least, if I was the one who started this for you in some way, then then I should be, you know, doing the same thing. All right. So I want to quickly go back to something we had kind of touched on, which was talking to your peers and talking to um, other people who, who maybe are struggling with some of the issues that you were having, arthritis, heart issues, et cetera. Um, how are you talking to them and how, how are you doing it tactfully in a way that they can, they can hear it and, um, you know, and learn from it? Yeah, the kind of people that I would talk to at this, at this level that I'll describe um, are people that actually, uh, that I can tell are interested in finding out for themselves, really, where can I go get more information about this? This sounds interesting. Perhaps I'll look into it. So I'll tell them a couple things that you want to make it easy, otherwise you won't do it. So mm-hmm. I recommend they watch a couple of things first. Watch like um, Forks Over Knives. Then if they're looking for any, an ethical reason, perhaps, or environmental reason, to look over look at Cowspiracy. Netflix has both of those. And then I say, but then go read or listen to, it's even better, the same book I listened to, the Dr. Joel Furman's Super Immunity. He's got mm-hmm. a, a newer one, but I say go back to Super Immunity Get it an audiobook, re- listen to it in your car. As far as putting it, putting something into practice, I say make that easy too. Just start off. Stop eating. I, I, have, I, have, I say stop eating dairy products, mm-hmm. you know, hormonally active stuff right away. I think that's a, that's a good recommendation. Stop eating dairy products. How hard is that going to be for you? It's just Yeah, because nobody, nobody likes cheese, right? Nobody likes <laughs> cheese and ice cream, right? <laughs> okay, stop that and lower your portions of meat or have meat several days, only a few days a week. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. And then take it from there yourself. So that that is kind of a small steps approach to it. But you didn't really do that. I mean, you, you kind of went all in. No, I didn't do it. But I realized what I did is probably unusual because uh-huh. I maybe I have more medical things stacked up. Or maybe my friends aren't telling me all the medical th- problems they're having. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, who, and who knows? And I don't know that you didn't do a small steps approach. I mean, it doesn't look like it when we think about, you know, 63, 63 years old, you said, that long and then making a change in six months seems like a pretty drastic step. But as we talked about, you first just started adding in a lot more nutritious food into your diet without a huge conscious effort to reduce meat, maybe a little bit. Uh, and then it was several months of that before you said, well, now I'm going to give up the, the meat and dairy. And I guess that all kind of, you did draw a line and say, it's done now. But you had spent several months in thinking about healthy eating and, and actively trying to get yeah, healthy yeah. foods first. So it wasn't a total all-at-once approach. But but yeah, I still pretty quick. Um, okay, so that's that's how you introduce this to someone who is interested. Like you mentioned your dentist, right? Like you told them about all the medications you had stopped, and then they were suddenly curious about Yeah, because they always question you. The hygienist questions you about, what are your current medications? I wonder why my dentist cares too much about that, but they do. <laughs> and she was like, wow, why aren't you taking this, 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 and this? Even some of the supplements I had been taking. I'm like, well, I've changed a lot of things around, mostly my diet. So she ends up telling that to this dentist friend of mine. I actually treated my kids when they were little, and he was really interested enough to Give me the short version of where I can go. What can I do? Where should I look? And he said, I don't want to watch stuff. I don't want to, I want to read a book. Give me a book. There we go. Super immunity. Which is funny because in a long, I think a blog post maybe three, four years ago, I was reviewing several books in one post and super immunity was the one where I wrote, this is the book I wish my parents would read. Hmm. And, And now both you and my mom have done it, which is cool. So, so he, he took time there. He wrote it down. He came back again. And what was his name again? I mean, so I know he's going to go read that book. Do you know if he's read it yet? No. No. This is only about two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Maybe we should call him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is this is actually really similar. I don't know if you realize it, but to the approach that I have taken with Nomi Athlete, never have I really tried to go reach out to people who aren't yet interested in this and put this message in front of those people. It's been here. If, if you are interested in this here are some tools that will help make it easier. It's never been, here's why you should be interested in this. And that that's, you know, the, the, the fault of that is that there isn't a lot of spreading of this, hey, this can reverse disease, this can do all these great things, uh, which is why maybe it took me longer to reach you than, than I would have liked to. Uh, but maybe the reason that I don't try to push it on other people is because, not just because I don't want to be that that pushy vegan, but it's also easier to reach people who are interested. So, the harder question, perhaps, is for people who aren't at all interested. Let's say, let's say there's a listener of this podcast who, theoretically, if they listen to this podcast, is pretty into this way of life. Uh, and let's say they're my age and they have a parent your age, and they're not really having much success in, or any success in reaching that person. Because it's hard to reach a different generation, perhaps, if they you know came about and just raised differently, perhaps, um, just surrounded by different influences. What do we tell them? As far, like, how, how can they get their parent to experience what you've experienced, do what you've done. And I know there's not going to be a, an obvious answer. If there was, then everyone would be No, fine. but it just occurred to me, it's probably similar to what I do with these with these strangers. Tell them to do it in some sort of stepwise, some slow way to do it. You, you just can't jump in the way I did unless you're faced with atrial fibrillation or something right. equivalent. But is that what it takes to get someone your age interested in this? Does it need that kind of urgency? Well, it seems like it did for me, and I yeah. had all of your influence, and like I said, Christine, your wife, my wife, uh, had all those influences, and it still took that. Right. 
which is to say that, that those influences aren't wasted. Even if it seems like if you're trying to make a change to your parent and you're just exposing them to the idea that someone actually can sustain this diet and live and not wither away or, you know, die from not enough protein, you're having a positive influence. And then hopefully it won't be a dramatic as you know, we're lucky with you. It wasn't that you had a heart attack and that's what had to, had to do it. It was, it was something that, you know, could have been the, the precursor to a stroke or something, something scary. Uh, so we're lucky, but, but not everyone will be. But I think if, if the positive influences are there, uh, then when there is some urgency, you know, they're going to have a place to turn that's easier to turn than if, if they didn't have that influence. That's how it happened with me. So play them the Joel Furman interview. That's the, go, <laughs> play go, the go find a Joel Furman interview and play that for them. That's the real secret. That's the secret. And bring them to Remedy Live, Atlanta, November 11th through 13th. <laughs> am am I invited again? A, you know, after this hour-long advertisement for the conference, perhaps you are. <laughs> I'll have to see. Uh, but seriously, remedyfood.org is where you can find out about the Atlanta event, which is coming up really soon. It's only three weeks away from when we're doing this podcast, so I don't know if it is the most effective ad for it. But uh, I do hope people will, will come to that because I, I do think immersion-type experiences like that, where it's not just one doctor out of 20 speakers that's telling you this works, but but just talk after talk, 10 of which are from yeah, the I doctors. Yeah, I was blown away you know. with almost every speaker. Yeah, it was just really um, life impacting stuff. Sure, obviously, yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, I I have seen you for the past few years. I've seen you maybe once or twice a year when you come up to visit Matt, and we talk for maybe like ten minutes in the kitchen, and that's about <laughs> it. Um, you know, but but I I remember when you were playing with Paleo. I remember um, you know when that first time at that at the vegan restaurant uh, when you were looking for the bacon. Um, you know and. And it's really cool now to have you on the podcast and to, uh, you know, kind of see what's happened over the past several years and, and um, how, you know, how Matt has, has helped with that a little bit, but also how he wasn't the, the main reason um, or the main driver, I guess. Um, yeah, so. it is cool. And especially cool for me personally, just to see the health improvements, the energy improvements, that stuff, you know, it's just, that's the best part, of course. I get to take care of the kids a lot more now. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's well, gotta, I don't need the naps. The parents need the naps. I don't need the naps. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, then I think this wraps it up. Dad, thank you for, for You're welcome. Joining it's my us. pleasure. I hope some people will listen to this, I do, to this I message do too. and use it and find, maybe find a new way to reach their parents. Uh, maybe you could, maybe this will be the Joel Furman interview. That, that, yeah, play right? it for the Maybe parents. this is the and, one that will help parents. And a word of advice. If your kids are... Like my kids, and they're trying to influence you. Don't make so many meatball and bacon jokes. <laughs> <laughs> that made it. That made it, it into a blog post. Yeah, that made it into a blog post. I think about things I wish I knew before I went vegan. <laughs> One of the items was the jokes will never stop, and I think I mentioned unique meatball <laughs> jokes in there. Yeah, and but I think and once you, well, everyone pretty much in this country is a meat eater for the most part, and who is not going to enjoy the smell of bacon no matter how long you've been plant-based or the smell of something on the barbecue, right? Yeah, and, and there are some who will say they don't. But I think, I think you're right. I mean, right? a lot of people make the excuse like, well, I, could, I love cheese so much. That's not a valid excuse of therefore I should just keep eating it, right? Like, of course, meat sometimes smells good when it's cooking or cheese seems like it would be good. There are people who go far enough with this, I think, that, that it, they do lose the desire, whether that's just a thing in their head or whether their body does change, who knows. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, the fact that you love food doesn't mean that therefore the only right decision is to keep eating it. So I'm at a point where it smells so good and I recognize that, um, yet I'm still not tempted. I don't feel it. It's a temptation. That's, and I find that strange. Mm -hmm. I'm not tempted to eat meat. I just love smelling it. 
I remember when that switch happened to me too. You know, when it when when you could walk by a Five Guys or um, you know walk by a barbecue place and smell it and think, wow, that smells good, but not be tempted yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, I like I like that I'm that way though. It gives me hope mm-hmm. for the future. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, good. All right. Well, thanks, Doug, for interviewing. Thanks, right. Dad, thanks for inviting interview. me in on this father-son chat. It was nice. <laughs> thanks a lot. All right. Thanks Great. for listening, everyone. Talk to you next time.